Hey y'all, welcome back to the weekend edition here on the Chase Most Podcast, local hour number one uh, with, oh yeah, Atlanta Sports Guys with Garrett Chapman this week, Max Markovich, not here this week, Max get well soon my friend, um, but Garrett and I were able to talk all things Atlanta Sports, pass rush, uh, questions for the Falcons who might lead the team in sacks this year, uh, a lot of positional changes like Felipe Franks and Avery Williams, uh, Richie Grant showing out early in minicamp, or in training camp, excuse me. Um, then Kyle Pitts being uncoverable and what his upside is this year. Um, and then the Braves, what they did at the trade deadline, what we liked, what we didn't, um, and where they're going the rest of the way here. So a lot of fun with Garrett as we uh, hit on local hour number one on this Saturday, August 6, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Uh, like and subscribe uh, on YouTube, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Check us out there. Um, Tweet at me, Chase double underscore Thomas, and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. All right, part one, local hour, number one for that matter, here on the Saturday edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to the Atlanta Sports Guys with... Garrett Chapman this week of 19 on the game. Dobby Millennials uh, just doing all kinds of good stuff over there at 92 on the game. No Max Markovich this week. Max, get well soon, sir. Um, all the best from your fellow Atlanta sports guys. Uh, Garrett, good morning, sir. How are you doing? Good morning, man. No, it's a beautiful day in Atlanta. Sunny and 75. I'm feeling good. My gut tells me it's not going to stay 75. No, no, of course not. I mean, come no. on. I'm not foolish. I'm not a moron. No. I was just a little concerned that you were like, it's a nice 75. No, I'm just day. more looking outside. I've got this beautiful new place that I live in, and I'm, I'm mm. looking out, and I can see trees again. This is kind of nice. I mean, after mm. living in the city for the last year or so, actually being able to look out and see normal I mean, you're people. in the city. Well, I'm still in the city. I'm in a little yeah. point, but it's like, yeah. you know, I like one of the weirdest things mm. is hearing cicadas again. Yeah, you know? and it was like because you don't obviously you don't hear those in in downtown midtown downtown Atlanta, mm. and now I do, and it was kind of overwhelming at first because mm. but I'm like actually no that I remember this this is kind of then it became kind of comforting because it's, oh, I love cicadas. takes you back to your roots you know oh I'm very pro cicada but bird sound owl sounds yeah, yeah like uh, you remember in 2020 when people who had never heard of cicadas mm. found out that cicadas were a thing because they go across mm. the country every eight years or something. Mm-hmm. like part of their mating thing or whatever when they come up from the ground and everyone thought it was like oh my god it's the it's like armageddon or whatever no it's just they're just a bunch of bugs and they scream they do and it's weirdly soothing yeah their screams are soothing that's a <laughs> it just weird. means more down here in sec country people it just means that. more um well we're gonna talk about there's not really any hawk stuff because i think like oh, do we have any hawks? it's really just waiting on the deandre hunter extension i don't know and, man hey no they've been doing their their thing and what the drew league or whatever yeah they're throwing lobs trays throwing fun. lobs to nah, John... you know it's like the because you got john collins mm-hmm. who's playing and they're just building some chemistry and playing together which i think is really important especially with john collins so, yeah i mean for sure i like to see it 
it's fine. I'm here for it. And anything that gets them on the same page and content with one another is something that I think is best for the Hawks <clears throat> and for uh, this upcoming season. Sure. Uh, but there is a lot, like, outside of uh, writing and doing what, everything I need to do on a day-to-day basis, I, I can't help but just, like, watch every new Kyle Pitts clip of every new route that he runs. And every there was new... just another one that just came yes. out, like, maybe 20 minutes ago. Oh, you don't have to tell me, sir. I oh, saw it. I, I'm aware. And it's uh, so good football. I love it. I'm so excited for Kyle Pitts. Like, yeah. I just... The Kyle Pitts experience is just going to be so much fun this year. And uh, well, the crazy th- we talked about this last week is like, oh, I did specifically about like Richie Grant and talking about mm-hmm. year one to year two and that elevation. Mm. And I gave it to Richie Grant because I'm most excited to see what he can do this year. But on the other side of the football, <laughs> the first round pick from last year is pretty darn good himself. And I mean, look, he had a fantastic rookie season, but the thing is, he can be so much better. Like mm-hmm. his ceiling is Travis Kelsey and above, you know. I think it's like above he's it. very talented and coming into the league, he's, he's already more talented than Travis Kelsey was, but just, but we'll see. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to say he's going to be this 1500 yard receiver and 20 touchdowns, 15 touchdowns or whatever. I'm not saying that he could be. It <laughs> would coming, also help to have Patrick Mahomes throwing in the ball, but like that. Yeah, it would. I mean, I think the talent's there. I think ceiling is number one overall tied oh, in the yeah. sport. His like, talent is, is, I mean, he's a unicorn. I yeah. mean, he's, he's a freak of nature. You know, like I'm very excited. Ceiling is very happens here. Um, We shall see. And then uh, Deion Jones, it looks like they're okay keeping him even after he comes off pup and everything. uh, If they don't find a trade that they want. So I don't really know what's going to happen there, but um, we'll see. But I want to start with the Falcons in terms of, I want to get a prediction from you. So I was thinking about the pass rush and I was thinking about who at the end of this year, we'll look at and we're like, okay, they led this team in sacks in 2022 so the contenders we got davidson we got rush we got graham we got gray jarrett we got lorenzo carter we got malone mm-hmm. we've got um, Ogu- yes um Ketty, we got ogun De- uh how do we say this name ogun deji um who's actually my pick so i need to learn how to uh <laughs> I, I need to get get on uh i need to figure this out but what uh, when you were thinking about all the different options, who do you think actually leads this team in sacks in the year? Um, there's so that's two, two. I'll give you two parts. So part one is who I think is going to do it, and part two is who I want to do it. Mm. Um, in a perfect world, I know this is just in my own imaginary situation. It's Arnold Evicati. Mm. I want to see what he can do. I think he's really. I'm really excited to see this guy. But he's a rookie, so mm-hmm. if he's leading this team in sacks, that means that it wasn't a very good year for the defense. Or there were a um, lot of injuries. Or there were a lot of injuries or whatever. Um, who I think it's going to be is Lorenzo Carter. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, look, Lorenzo Carter, do you, do you, have you seen his, his stats from last year? So he had uh, five sacks, and that doesn't look very impressive. Mm-hmm. Okay? Until you realize that it was in the last four games while he's coming back from an Achilles injury. Huh. So he's still young. He's, what, 27, 28 years old? He's still in the. He's just entering his prime. So look at it this way: he's mm. extre- exceptionally talented. Um, he's big. He's a perfect fit for this Dean P's defense, and he's on a one-year prove-it deal. And he finished last year very hot. All signs to him pointing to. I mean, if he can get to eight to ten sacks, I think that's a perfect perfect situation. I think mm. he's perfectly capable of doing that. So eh, I'll say Lawrence Carter, and he's a dog playing in Atlanta. So I'm a little biased too. Well, he went to Norcross, right? He's a Norcross, Norcross kid. High School. Yeah. yeah. And he played for the nat- national champion runner-up, Georgia Bulldogs. 
I was going to say, I was like... Part of that quote-unquote wolf pack that he kept, he loves to talk about. Yeah. Um, he was an early early guy in the Kirby era. Um, that would be cool, though. I'm here for it. I mean, he just hasn't played a lot. Like, he's played, like, a combined, what, like, over the last four years, like, 26 games or something. He's been injured a lot. Um, yeah. So, it's just, if he's healthy, cool. If not, like... I don't know. It's just it's hard for me to forecast him. He'll, he's like for what you're saying, where it's like he might be uh, the most amount of sacks in the least amount of games. <laughs> so like if he has uh, sack per uh, appearance uh, yeah. on the field this fall, maybe it's Lorenzo Carter. I just I'm a little concerned that uh, he gets on the field enough. Um, it would be cool though, like if it is uh, Abiketti, like that would be an awesome situation. And we're like, oh, we have we drafted a pass rusher who's actually going to be good and we can just count on for the next couple of years. That's that would be nice to have. But also, I mean, take one Graham was a fifth uh, taken in the fifth round last year. I mean, that would be really cool to get something out of him. Um, it would be really cool if D'Angelo Malone, like I think that's another one we need to keep an eye on. Like what if he breaks He's through? very interesting. Right? Like I think, I think he's he an it. He, he reminds me a little bit of a, a less refined Vic Beasley. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, okay. I mean, coming out of college, that is. I mean, I'm obviously not what he became in the NFL, but he's a speed rusher. He's, he's a little undersized. Um, and it's kind of what Vic Beasley should have been. The scheme that Vic Beasley should have been in from the start mm. is this 3-4 defense where he's kind of an outside linebacker hybrid where it's he's going to be rushing the passer for the most part, but mm. he could drop back in coverage because he's athletic enough. But at the end of the day, he's not like trying to get up there and run support, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he fits that scheme pretty well. So I'm excited to see what he can do, but he has, he's really raw, but he's mm. super athletic. And I think that's really one of the big things that Terry Fontenot was looking at in this, in this most recent draft. All of these guys are freak athletes. Like all of them are. Like you look at Drake. You really London, want Will Anderson though. I really want Will Anderson. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's like they're gonna stock up on as many pass rushers as you can get because this mm. is it's a position, especially in a three four defense that Dean Peach runs, you need as many as possible who can mm. play potentially go between defensive end and outside linebacker. You need a lot of them. And look, the this team was depleted. They didn't have a bunch. Will Anderson, if he comes in here, he's the kind of guy who's gonna just complete he's a Khalil Mack he's mm-hmm. he's a Lawrence Taylor he's he's a guy who's going to come in here and just radically change the face of your defense you know so it, I mean he he's the best player coming out of the draft next year and I would be anybody would be foolish to pass on him unless you're just your, your need at quarterback is so immense Will Anderson's going to be the first person off the board so obviously I really want him uh we'll see uh, we have a lot of quarterback watching to do before we get into do yeah, we we'll take see. a pass rusher and not Stroud, Young, Van Dyke, whoever that is. Because uh, there will be a name. Like, that's the thing. It's like it, there will be somebody who pops up into that quarterback conversation that we do not have on our radar right now. In my Sneak. gut, I, I just feel like it's not going to be Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Number one overall? Why. Yeah, the, the top quarterback. I just don't know hmm. why I feel that way. But it, it reminds me... So at SEC Media Days, I talked to Paul Feinbaum about this, like how the best player in the NFL draft next year, like when Joe Burrow came out, mm. when Baker Mayfield came out, when Kyler Murray came out, those guys weren't on anybody's radar, you know? Mm. Why I – mean, Miles Garrett, I guess, when you go back far enough. I mean, Miles Garrett was on everybody's radar. Everyone knew mm. who he was. But it feels like that's more – not necessarily the norm, if you if you know what I mean. So I feel like it's just – it's one of those three guys, if I'm a if I'm betting – Right now, it's going to be one of those three guys, but my gut just tells me it's not one. It's not one of those guys for some reason. There's going to be some quarterback somewhere who comes out of nowhere. So, I don't know. I, I can't base it on anything. It's just a gut. 
I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm okay with that. Also, what's interesting, like you see this in college and high school all the time of these positional changes, and we're like, hey, we're weak here, so we're going to flip you. Like Cameron Miller uh, came into Tennessee as a wide receiver, and he's playing safety right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you being a Georgia guy, I mean, you see that too with guys where you like that's the whole thing when they come in as athlete. Uh, Malachi Starks, we could see uh, like what he's actually going to be at Georgia. They have an idea for him. I think they want him to be a safety, if I recall. Uh, correctly mm-hmm. with Malachi, but he could be a running back next year. Like you see that around, like Jeremy Banks is the starting linebacker. He came into Tennessee as a running back, but you don't see that as much when they get to the pros. Like once they're in the pros, it's like we might slide you over from guard to tackle, or we might guard to center, or you might be, um, I mean, a running back or a receiver, that kind of thing. We don't really see some of this stuff where, like, if you look at this, and there was like a piece in the Falcoholic about this uh, from Dave Choate where Avery Williams is the big one that people know. He goes from corner to running back and will be returning kicks, and he's just a really interesting, fun player and catching a lot of passes out the backfield uh, to this point. So maybe he is an interesting Swiss Army knife to keep an eye on um, this season because, look, there uh, there's some possibilities there. He's a fast guy, and he will be – he's someone that you just want because he will make defenses think, where if he can – pose any threat carrying the ball putting him in the backfield will be critical on third downs like that would be that'd be really cool because i don't think we really have that third down back right now um cordell can only do so much and you don't want to wear him down over the course of 17 game season so he needs breathers and maybe it's algier but we'll see felipe franks might not just be like a tebow situation and that he actually might be there was that really good uh deep out that he ran and beat troy anderson for a ball this week and it's like oh what if we get felipe franks is just an interesting goal like red zone target like what if he is someone that he's like a Taysom hill but like better he's bigger like he's bigger he's yeah. faster i think there's more athletic upside than Taysom. like i think he can do more uh than a Taysom hill but i think that's interesting and you go through it and i i don't know i'm very curious like new zeal um is the other name who switched from what did he come from? Yeah, he was he's logging time at center. Um, he came in uh, last season as a guard, but you know, you just look around and there's a lot of positional changes. What do you make of the positional changes, and who are you most excited or intrigued by of that group? Uh, as far as like the changed positions go, it's Avery Williams, just because I, I watched a lot of this dude's highlights coming out of the draft last year. I, I kind of got kind of a little excited about mm-hmm. what he can do, just as a as a kick returner or a punt returner. I think he's extremely dynamic uh, mm-hmm. in the open field. So I feel like they, they hit the nail on the head. They were kind of wasting his talents as a cornerback. Mm. He, he just doesn't, he's a guy you want to have the ball in his hands. So why is he playing corner? You know, if he's never, if and we saw what he could do in the slot, it wasn't pretty. It really was not very good. And so if you want him to have the ball in his hands, he needs to be a running back. He needs, you just find a way to get him the football. He reminds me a little bit of Brandon Boykin from a couple years ago. Mm. when he was in Athens he was he was a well he was a very good cornerback at the collegiate level didn't really pan out in the pros he was a little undersized but they put him on offense every now and then when he just had the ball in his hands he was just electric you know I remember him having a kick ret- I was in the building for the Tennessee Georgia game that year where mm-hmm. he returned a kick for for six in that one I remember that well they, he, when they played Boise State in 2012 yeah he played one snap one snap against Boise State mm-hmm on offense at running back, they put the ball in his hands and he took it 75 yards for a touchdown. Hmm. And then Mark Rick didn't put the ball in his hands again. How did the rest of that game turn out? Oh, it was not very pretty. Yeah. I, I saw a Georgia fan crying outside because he bet his life savings on Georgia. On Are the you Georgia sure it was that line. or was it the uniforms <laughs> that Georgia was wearing in that one? Because those were pretty <sighs> rough. It was not pretty. That was one of two very not pretty games that I saw live 
at George, mm. at the Georgia Dome. The the next one was the next year. Yeah, that Georgia Alabama game that we won't talk about. <laughs> but no, Avery Williams is fun. I, I'm excited to see what he can do. I don't think he's going to get all that many snaps necessarily. Mm. I just think this is just a better fit for him. He's going to come in and and hopefully replace Cordero Patterson uh, as that Swiss Army knife guy in the long term. In the short term. Just get him reps. I don't want to see what he can do in the, in the preseason games. I don't think he's going to get all that many carries or anything like that, but mostly because I'm a big Tyler Algier stan. I just – the more I, I read about this guy, the more I see about him, the more I watch him in practice, the more I'm just ready to see him play. Uh, I, I think he's going to be fantastic at, at, on this offense, but uh, Avery wins. I'm excited to see him. For sure, for sure. Um We'll see what happens there, but uh, I think it's intriguing at the very least. Um, Richie Grant covering um, Kyle Pitts on practice. Like, you see that, and I saw that report, and you're like, okay. This might be real, where it's like the, I feel like the uh, Michael Scott uh, clip, where it's like, oh my god, it's happening, um, is ultimately what's happening here. And, I mean, Jalen Hawkins, we'll see, but ultimately... Richie Grant needed to hit like this is somebody that we cannot go into next year with the Eric Harris experiment uh, all over again and Richie Grant needs to be a really good player like you have AJ Terrell uh, we feel okay I think at the corner spot but the safety spot like the fact that the young guns are starting and are getting a lot of play but they're also just good like Richie Grant mm-hmm. being able to cover Kyle Pitts is a big thing and that's like one of the cool nice things about having a unicorn is that you can really see what you have in some of these guys where AJ Terrell is having to be pushed every day by Cal Pitts. And I mean, even Drake London, we're seeing that uh, right out of the gate for him. But I think that's a really nice thing. But Richie Grant covering Pitts well is fascinating. So what, where are you at? I mean, I know you're the, you've been uh, commanding the, the Richie Grant uh, bandwagon for a couple of years now. How, how are you feeling about Grant? I mean, he was very good at UCF. He was one of the top safeties coming out of the draft. I mean, he's a ball hawk. He's mm-hmm. a guy who I love having him in, in center field, just sort of patrolling everything. And it's it's his natural position. And um, I, I think him coming in and having a little bit more security with it and, and having a year under his belt. And honestly, I think that the COVID year last year, so the COVID year in 2020 and then go, feeding into 2021 where they didn't really have a training camp or a mini camp or anything like they did this year. I think it really made a big difference, mm-hmm. especially for this team that was relying heavily on a lot of rookies. And that was just not a very good – you have a new head coach, new defensive coordinator, new offensive system, everything. You have a lot of uh, young players, just a recipe for disaster, especially in defense. I mean, you saw what Dean P said about how he only installed 40% of his defense or whatever. And the way his defense works is it's like a backwards front. Um, so you need to have a sound secondary and then he plays that forward. That's according to what I've heard about this defense and Richie Grant, he just wasn't ready for it last year. Um, I, and then I add in the fact that he was playing out of position. I'm, I'm just a big Richie Grant stand. I think he's going to be fantastic in, as in the safety spot, just patrolling in the back. I mean, he's a ball hawk. He's a guy who's going to go after the football and you saw what his physical tools are in that one-on-one matchup with uh, Kyle Pitts. And like you said, when you have a unicorn like that, you can really gauge how mm. talented somebody really is. And he's looking more and more comfortable, and the more confidence that he picks up in this defensive scheme, the more exciting uh, more exciting it is for someone like me, who's really big in Richie Grant. I, I think he's going to have a big season. He's going to be a big breakout season. I'm just convinced of it. I'm really excited. There you go. Um the Braves. We'll we'll end on the Braves. Uh, they make a lot of big moves uh, this past week. Rizal Iglesias comes in, so uh, 
Alex Anthopoulos deserves a lot of praise for turning Sean Newcomb into Jesse Chavez to Rizal Iglesias. Um, with Jansen Iglesias, like Will Smith is out the door. You bring in Jake Odorizzi. Um, so now you're feeling a little bit better about the Ian Anderson spot in the in the rotation going uh, forward. He didn't really have a spot left in uh, Houston once Lance McCullers Jr. came back. So it kind of made sense for both teams. Will Smith's the only lefty reliever in Houston, so that's uh, a, a home big... run in his first start, uh, his first relief appearance too. Oof. Um, but look, we wish him well. Great, uh, he was an important cog on a championship team. So, all the best to Will Smith and Houston, yeah. um, and protect uh, Drew Gilbert, who also had a home run in his first Houston Astros minor league at bat. So, shout out to the Tennessee Volunteers picking up right where they left off, uh, being the best in uh, baseball. Garrett, what do you make of the uh, trade deadline now that you've had a couple days to process what the Braves did? Uh, did they get significantly better? What was your favorite move? And uh, how does it stack up with what the Mets did? Well, I think it's I think Alex Anthopoulos proved last year that you don't have to get significantly better to win the trade deadline. Mm. You know, I mean, not everybody has to go out and be uh, the, the San Diego Padres where they go get Bell and Soto and Hader and everybody else. Like, look, Alex Anthopoulos, Jeff Schultz actually had a piece on this on uh, The Athletic here a couple of days ago, right after the trade deadline. And he and Anthopoulos came out and said, yeah, I saw these moves being made in, like, in Boston and in and, and New York or when, I, when he was up in Toronto. And those guys didn't win a World Series. Many of them lost in the divisional round. I mean, because these big splash moves, they don't guarantee anything. So what's more important? We saw it last year. If somebody who comes in and fits into the, lo- into the, into the clubhouse and – adds to your roster, like legitimately adds to your roster. You don't necessarily have to completely reshape it. I mean, because you look at the, this Braves team, this Braves team is one of the best in baseball already. So what are you going to go do? You're going to go patch in the holes, find out where you have some needs, and go fill them in. You don't have to completely radically change everything in order to get better, um, even if you just get incrementally better with it. You know, So ultimately, it's like a solid B, but I trust – Alex Anthopoulos. Odorizzi, I think, is a solid depth starter. I mean, we're going to see him pitch tomorrow. I don't know if he's pitching the first or second game yet. Mm. But with Charlie Morton, who's pitching better, I think he's he's going to be a, a part of this rotation regardless of how he pitches unless he just falls off a cliff. Ian Anderson has been struggling. He was great in his last start. Uh, you have Spencer Strider. Everyone's talking about this innings limit or whatever mm-hmm. he clearly doesn't have one because he wouldn't pitch the seventh inning last last week or this past week mm-hmm. uh, and we'll see him again on sunday up against jacob Degrom. i think that's gonna be a fascinating matchup but Odorizzi is just a veteran arm who's gonna come in and be that fourth or fifth starter i think they're gonna go a six-man rotation especially with two double headers and no not many days off in this upcoming well these up these two upcoming weeks i should say mm-hmm. um so I, I like that move it's just depth Rossell Iglesias, he's he received Cy Young attention two years mm-hmm. ago. A lot of people don't realize that. He's a very talented closer, but he's expensive. I'm a little surprised that the Braves are going to be eating his entire contract, but it was sort of a last-second deal. So I, I, at the end of the day, it's like he, Alex Anthopoulos goes out, he, he improves the rotation, and he makes probably one of the best bullpens in baseball even better, and he trades a guy who is probably the odd man out when Kirby Yates is coming back to this, this bullpen anyway. So – Fantastic. That's right on the pitching front. You go look at the outfield. You have a guy who's, I forget, is it Grossman, I believe? Robbie Grossman, yeah. Robbie Grossman. Have you seen his splits against left-handed hitters or left-handed pitchers? Mm-hmm. He has like a 950 OPS in like yeah. 96 at-bats. Ridiculous. Do you mm-hmm. know what uh, Eddie Rosario's weakness is? Left-handed pitching. 
I thought you were going to say everything. It's a scheme fit. It just mm-hmm. works, you know? So he's going to come in and pitch uh, and pinch hit and, and spots where you're coming up against a left-handed pitcher. Uh, he can do spot starts. Eddie Rosario is still going to be, I don't want to say your every day, but the vast majority of the time he's going to be your guy because he's a guy who kind of needs that repetition. Mm-hmm. But Grossman, he's a guy who's going to come in and he's going to give you consistent at-bats, and that's all you really need. So the Braves got better, and I think everybody's still chasing the Atlanta Braves. This is still the defending World Series champion. And it's going to show down the, the second half. Now they just have to, I still think they're a better team than the Mets. Mm. They just got to go out on the field and actually prove it and, you know, beat them on the scoreboard because that's an important part of, you know, winning the division. So yeah. it's a huge series. They still got four games to go. Then they come and play them again next week at the end of the road trip. So this is, this can be a very telling two weeks for the Atlanta Braves. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm excited for this weekend uh, for the Mets series, so it's going to be fun. Uh, both lineups are fun um, and good pitching matchups, so we shall see ultimately what happens there. Um, Garrett, we'll end on this. Austin Riley's extension. Does that signal the the money has dried up and that Dancy Swanson no. uh, is not getting locked up? So you think it, that the two are not related? Hey, we can go back to these clips and tell me uh, the, who was the other guy. I was, <laughs> I was, I was, uh, I was captaining the Austin Riley train too. So. Mm-hmm. You uh, were, you nailed board, that one. Man. But also, Max and I were not saying like to, to <laughs> go back and check the tapes. We were not saying Austin Riley was not going to be good. It was that Austin Riley had to be good for the Braves to take. Like it was one of those situations sure. where he had to get to that point. So we were just saying there's a lot of pressure on him to get to that point because there were a lot of at bats, and it was like at a certain yeah. point you gotta. You are who you are, and he he flirted with the line of where it was a certain amount of a bats where you're like, this guy he just did. might not be that guy. He did right at first in that 2020 mm. season. He did right at yeah. first. Well, the 2020 season was kind of rough, and then early in the 2021, you're like, all right, more of the same. Then yep. he just lit up, and he's been this, this guy ever since. And I mean, he's, he's been an MVP guy the best now. player in the National League over the last month. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm all aboard on it. I don't think it affects Dansby Swanson necessarily. Well, I'm going to see his replacement uh, the in the Smokies increased. in two weeks. Uh, Von Grissom comes up here. Uh, the what? Von Grissom comes up uh, to Tennessee, so I get to see him in person. I think Von Grissom's still a year, at least a year or two away. Mm. I think Dansby gets a three-year Well, we deal. thought that about Michael Harris. <laughs> well, yeah, true, true. You're exactly right. I'm not going to be I'm not, I'm not going to be that fool who tries to tell Alex Anthopoulos how to do his job. <laughs> but, well, it's the whole thing where it's like we have to just – we just don't know the whole thing with that is like we just don't know and if von grisham is a really good player and is someone who that they're like he can skip triple a and he's just ready to go next year and we're gonna roll with him like i don't know the braves have been really good at talent evaluation so if they do see something with von um i don't know he's six three two ten big dude um i don't know I, i i would just keep an eye on that so if uh Dansby in the contract is not uh what they want uh this winter I just uh, that would signal to me because they can afford to lock up Dansby it would signal to me that they're extremely high on uh, Von Grisham yeah and I think it's one of two things it's one they're extremely high on Von Grisham or that Dansby is just asking for too much money Mm. but at the end of the day it's like if Casey Close was his agent I'm not terribly confident about them getting a deal done necessarily just if I'm looking purely on that, but if Dansby Swanson wants to be an Atlanta Brave, he's going to mm. be an Atlanta Brave. You know, I, I think he wants to be a Brave. But it, when Alex Anthopoulos was asked about this, he says, "Yeah, yeah, this is a guy who wants to win more than anybody he's ever met. Hmm. This is a place that he's going to win. You know, this is a team. If you trust the vision of the Atlanta Braves, 
do you trust that vision of Alex Anthopoulos or do you want to go make that paycheck? Because you can make a pretty sizable check here in Atlanta. They're not going to pay you as much as maybe Minnesota. They they have a need at shortstop, but they will next year. Um, You look at New York, they could throw some money at them. I don't know if they need a shortstop necessarily, but at the end of the day, he's probably the third best shortstop out on the market with Trey Turner and Carlos Correa coming out as well. I think all signs point to him being a brave. Mm. Um, I'm not going to go out and say that he's the, I'd be shocked if he's not an Atlanta brave just because they have the talent in the system. Like you said, Von Grisham, Mm. but if the money's too high, I'm not paying him more than $20 million a year. He's not worth more to me more than Austin Riley is right now. So I don't know. 20, 20 mil is something I'm comfortable with. 20 mil, six, $60 million over three years. I'll do that. Okay. We'll, we'll see. Uh, Garrett Chapman, W Millennials this weekend? Not this weekend. We're coming back on next weekend. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Nights on the game. Off. Steakhouse debuted this week on your network. It did. Yeah. He just got off the air probably an hour ago. It's going mm. well, man. He's having fun. It's good to hear him back on the radio. He's He was uh, a missed commodity you know uh, he's he's a he's just been an atlanta staple for what 25 30 years mm-hmm. he knows he knows the ins and outs of the city plus i, I get to uh in, improve my restaurant game listening <laughs> to him talk that mm-hmm. man that man knows food yes he definitely knows food when he eats there you go um garrett chapman always a pleasure uh follow you on twitter gchapatl and uh have a great rest of your day, my friend. And Max, missed you today. We'll hopefully have you back next week. Um, feel better, sir. And Garrett, uh, I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, man. All right, y'all. That'll do it for hour one here on the Saturday uh, local edition here on the Chase Moms Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please, please, please make sure that you leave the show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, it helps other people find the show, and it helps this very show continue to grow thank you as always for making the chase most podcast part of your day to listen wherever and however you listen to this program we greatly appreciate it uh email the program mailbag any questions for me chase the most podcast at gmail.com all right hour two coming up just one second preds power hour with brian baston and charlie burris look out for that uncle darren how to do Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.